What up, artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast, and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity. And, you know, maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Romana. Romana, what do you do? Um, I am an artist. I actually, I started to recently call myself an expressionist versus artist. Um, I feel like that describes me a little bit better. But yeah, essentially, I create visual art and, and music. Um, and I also do a little bit of, uh, of producing. Um, like producing for events and stuff like that. So I'm basically just channeling my creativity in all the different ways right now. Right, right. Yeah, so I noticed you, even in the visual art you do, you work across a lot of different styles and mediums. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel, um, I call sometimes I call it creative ADD. Um, and I feel like a lot of artists that I speak to could relate to this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't really feel sort of called to one medium all the time. I I feel like different messages can 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 be said differently using a variety of different mediums. And so um, I kind of just you know feel into sort of my gut and go with that. But I and I think one of the one of the things that's like beautiful about having an open practice like that um, is that like to your expression um and i because i'm you know i'm i've never been to school for any sort of like creative practice um so i'm i'm all self-taught um i think i struggled in the beginning to be like am i doing this right like is this how you're supposed to how other people are doing it and it kind of just morphed into this practice that was truly my own which i get to make all the rules for so um i do feel really like blessed and grateful um to, I mean, to have the, I guess the, the talent, of course, is one thing, but um, I think to have like the chops to be able to take risks, different risks all the time and, you know, play with different mediums. So what was it like that first time when you took on a project, particularly one that say maybe had a client at the other end of it? Um, I mean, it was terrifying. So I actually come, I come from the corporate world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm South Asian. So my parents were definitely like, go to university, get a corporate job. That was kind of like the plan that was already sort of, you know, set out for me. Um, and, you know, being a good Indian girl is what I did. Um, and actually this Friday is going to be the five-year anniversary of the day that I quit my corporate jobs. It's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. So I, it was like, after I had quit that job, I, immediately started this um, custom bridal Mendy or henna company. Um, and so I immediately had clients and it was interesting because what I was providing was the service that, you know, didn't exist yet. Um, essentially when it comes to Mendy design for Mendy design in general, but specifically for weddings, there's no actual, um, there's no rhyme or reason to sort of the design that a bride will get on her hands. It's just, you know, it's kind of random. It's just based on, maybe a style that you might like. And so I wanted to, I wanted to put something more significant and meaningful into that. So I created this 
but you know, I never used to call it a business, but it was, it was, I created this business called my Mendy story. And what I would do is I would take the story of the bride and the groom's love and put it into the henna design. So I did like lyrics and, you know, the Toronto skyline and all types of stuff that you've never really had seen before mm-hmm. done in Mendy. Um, and so, yeah, like immediately after I left the corporate world, I had, I had clients. So, um, but it was definitely terrifying because I think the one thing about working with clients, especially ones that are paying you is that you kind of, you have to take direction, which, you know, is not always easy for me. It's not easy for a lot of artists. Um, and then you have to actually like listen to their criticism. So, uh, I mean, and luckily, you know, I was never really scrutinized by my clients. Um, but it is definitely challenging to know that at the end of a service, your clients are going to give you feedback. Um, and sometimes it could be good and sometimes it's not going to be that great. So, yeah. 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 So actually I want to take it a step back. How are you coping with, uh, this COVID-19 stuff? Um, I mean, it's, it definitely has not been easy. That's for sure. Um, so where I'm at right now in my creative practice is um, I am creative. I'm actively creative music, creating music, but my bread and butter comes from the murals that I do. And so I do murals for, you know, a bunch of different corporate clients. Um, essentially, I, I like to tell the stories of companies and sort of like create something unique and cool for people to look at while they're at work. Um, and obviously all of that has stopped. Um, and I do, I don't actually see that becoming something that is sort of imperative for businesses and in the near future either. Um, so my business or kind of how I was making money Im- immediately halted because nice. like, of course, like offices got shut down. Um, and I, you know, I predominantly work in the tech space um, with startups and startups closed. I feel like the tech startups were the first to close, um, at least in Toronto. So it's definitely definitely been a a struggle but it's been I mean I think after I got over the fact that this is a real thing that was happening um I'm I have you know every every week or I I don't even know where what week we're in but I I am finding many silver linings which is beautiful um but from a financial perspective it has not been easy at all right right what uh field did you work in before you focused on art um, I started out in marketing and then I moved into sales and then I went back to marketing. So I had a few, I had a few corporate jobs, um, but I always stayed within sales and marketing. Okay. Okay. So not super creative, but you know, I guess somewhat strategic, um, which you still definitely need when you are creating visual art or creating music. Um, I think a lot of artists actually don't, don't view that as a business. Um, but it, it definitely is. And so I feel, I, I'm definitely glad that I had that experience because I'm, I've learned a lot that I can now sort of use in, in, in this, in this business that I'm working in. Yeah, absolutely. That's a superpower because uh, I talk to a lot of artists and one of the challenging things is they, things is they have all this talent and don't know how to get it out there to people. So yeah. 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 So, um, in terms of, you said you came from like a, like a traditional South Asian family. Were you always sort of creative, just into all kinds of different things as a kid? 
Yeah, totally. I was definitely like a very imaginative, imaginative and like super high energy child. Um, and, you know, even when I was younger, I have a memory actually of being in JK. And so I think you're four in JK and like a painting that I had created being picked to sort of be like showcased around the school. And so it was interesting at a very early age, I was definitely, you know, showing signs of like being super artistic and creative. The challenge I think back then was, um, I didn't come from a family where the arts were celebrated. So it was kind of like, oh, that's cool, but don't forget to do your math homework. Um, and so it, where, we, where I grew up, it was definitely, you know, math, science, English, whatever, uh, was kind of the thing to, to be good at. And then everything else was kind of something you did as an extracurricular after you finished your math homework. Um, and so it was, it was actually, uh, like it was kind of a struggle actually growing up because I, I never felt like I was truly myself. Um, right. And I remember, and I don't think I was conscious of it. I think I can, you know, I can, I can say all this in hindsight, um, but I, I remember becoming like super obsessed with fashion. And I think looking, looking back at it, that was probably the way that I was creatively expressing myself. Like my contacts had to match my shoelaces and, you know, it was like very all about the details, all about the fashion. Um, and so for me in hindsight, it makes sense because I had all this creativity inside of me that I, I couldn't, I didn't have an outlet for. Mm -hmm. um, and so even though I wasn't able to really create um, or create freely back then, um, I found other ways to channel that expression. Right. Right. So like you're, you're super eclectic and your music's got like this nineties R and B vibe. Who, who would you say kind of influenced that sound? Um, I mean, I definitely grew up listening to nineties music. I, I definitely would say Aaliyah, um, like obviously like Whitney, Mariah, all the divas, um, and then recently Snow Allegra, I love her. I feel like she's kind of doing something similar as well. And, you know, bringing back that, like that soulful 90s sound. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say my, my, my number one, um, idol growing up, uh, was definitely Aaliyah. I mean, and, and not just really her sound, but even just everything she stood for and how she carried herself. I remember once in an interview, she called herself street, but sweet. And I was like, Oh my God, I love that. Um, Cause it's kind of, I mean, I think a lot of people are doing this now, but it's kind of like, it's, you can be masculine and feminine at the same time and that's okay. Um, and Aaliyah definitely did that. Um, I think not just musically, but in the way she showed up in the world. So that's definitely always been something that's inspired me. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's funny. Cause she did always, I mean, she, she had that edge, but you still got a sense that she was a good girl. Like it just, uh, it was uh it's an inter just an interesting dynamic yeah yeah and and i think like back then it was i think it was the type of role model like you know young women needed right yeah um and so she i think she definitely stood for so much more than just her music which uh, which which is definitely why why i was inspired by her not just musically but as a as a human right so you your um your single is holding space yeah. What's the significance of that to you? So I'll tell you why I created it, which might actually um, answer the question. Uh, so I got a phone call from someone and they kind of like talked my ear off for, 
for like an hour, you know, and you know, sometimes people call you and they just talk about themselves for a really long time. So it was one yeah. of those calls. And, and then at the end they were like, okay, um, I got to go, I'll call you back. And so I didn't get a word in at this point. And I was like, okay, cool. And I hang up and I felt so drained and so like out of it. And I had this moment where I was like, wow, like, like I just took on that person's shit and it doesn't feel good. It feels actually really tiring. I need to take a bath. Like all these things were coming up. Mm. Um, and when they called back, I didn't pick up. I was like, I can't, I literally don't have this space to hold for you right now. And that was it. I was like, whoa, I don't, I don't think that this, I don't think this experience is unique. I'm sure a lot of people have this. And so I was like, I'm just going to go write a song about this. And that's kind of how it was born. So it's definitely like, it's a song about like acknowledging, um, you know, that as humans, we have, we have like, we're, we're energy and we only have a finite amount of space in our beings. And um, it's important to create, you know, emotional, physical, mental, spiritual boundaries um, around your space and your time and your energy. And I think, you know, I know, I know, I know women have this problem, especially women of color. Like, I think it's really challenging for us to say no. Um, mm. We've, you know, been taught to sort of say yes to everything. And so the song, <coughs> excuse me, the song definitely, um, I think it definitely empowers people to also say no to things that, that are not serving them. Right. So with that said, like, do you often feel pressure as a woman of color to sort of uh, put the, the, <laughs> the weight of society and oppression and all that kind of stuff like on your shoulders? I, I mean, less today than I, than I might have a year ago or two years ago. But yeah, I mean, culturally, um, you know, I come from a, a South Asian background. And so in our culture, women are sort of, there's so many expectations of us. There's so many, so many things we can and we cannot do. There's just, it, there's just a, there's a lot that we have to take on just by virtue of being women in, in this community. Um, and so it's, it almost felt like in, like I was born into this, you know, this, this thing that I didn't even get to create for myself. Um, and, I'm, and of course I'm, I'm learning a lot of that now. And it's beautiful that my parents are, you know, open enough to, to be okay with that. And we're having great conversations, but growing up, I didn't feel, I mean, that's part of the reason why I went to university, right? Cause like I, I was told that I had to. Um, and so there were so many things that growing up, I, I was told that I had to do. Um, and, and I don't, I don't remember men or boys, especially while I was growing up having, having to have to do the same thing. Um, and I, I don't really think that that's changed a lot. I definitely have seen some changes in my community specifically. Um, so we are starting to make a difference by speaking up and, you know, creating space for these conversations. But um, I, I definitely didn't feel that when I was growing up. But I will say that I've, I'm doing my work to sort of like reclaim my power and um, definitely starting to feel a little bit more in control now than ever before. Yeah, I get that. As a uh, black man, I, I grew up in Bermuda, and uh, like, there's this weird dynamic that happens too, where um, yes, black men are, are, are oppressed and have a lot of things against us, like society, societally wise, but then black women often end up uh, coming to our defense, and we're not always 
coming to their defense. Right. Sometimes they end up being a stepping stool for us to kind of elevate ourselves. So mm. um, I, I try to, you know, reverse a lot of that. You I mean, just like you, it's still, I'm surprised in 2020 still happens today where we'll say it's okay for a man to do certain things. And then when a woman does it, her value is somehow less. And um, yep. um, yeah, I, I, tr- I really actively think that we need to, to work against that, those double standards in society. Um, yeah, so you're having this, this weekly interview series called Holding Space that I'm guessing echoes everything you talked about. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that felt super important to me specifically about this single um, was sort of like the education piece that, you know, it's not, it's not very obvious in the song, but I do feel like I'm trying to, you know, teach people, you know, that they can say no or that they don't have to pick up a call. And I wanted to pre COVID create some sort of pop-up experience um, where I would be able to demonstrate and illustrate what holding space actually is and how it affects different people in different communities. Um, and obviously since that's not happening anymore, um, cause I don't know when events will happen again. Um, I decided to sort of take that conversation and, and, and bring it online. Um, and so, yeah, the, the intention is to, um, sit down and chat with other people, artists, people who are authentic, um, and have a conversation about how they're holding space in their lives, you know, whether it's as artists or moms or, um, you know, like women, people of color, I think, I think holding space is something that people do every day, always, all the time in the name of love and friendship. And um, I definitely think having a conversation about it um, is, is sort of, I think it's just like bringing it into people's awareness that this is a thing that we've been doing like always um and i'm doing my second one tomorrow the first one was super amazing we had some great conversation um and at the end of the of the session we do like a performance sort of like segment and it's where i hold space for them or they hold space for me to perform and Mm -hmm. i I will i'll be performing my single um and i give them the opportunity to share or perform something Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel super excited about it. I feel I've gotten a lot of great feedback, um, a lot of people resonating, a lot of people, you know, saying things like, I never, I never thought of it like that. So it definitely feels like, um, I definitely feel like I'm doing what I intended to do in that, you know, giving people a new perspective on sort of like their, their emotions, their energy and sort of like how to protect themselves. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I love that you pivoted so quickly to something else that, you know, sort of captured the same energy of what you're trying to go for pre COVID. So, I mean, it's definitely different. Uh, I don't know if you've done an Instagram live, but it's kind of, it's definitely different to not be able to like feel the energy of the audience and like interact in the same way. Um, but I think for right now, it's kind of, kind of like all we got, right? And, and I think as artists, like that, that's what we do. We solve problems. So yeah, um, yeah it, it feels good. Yeah. So I haven't, I've seen a lot more of your visual art 
online, but are you more or less new to music? I haven't seen much of your music. Yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm new to music in that I have been, I've been singing since I was like four. I, I sort of became like the community, you know, wedding singer at some point, you know, in my mm. early years. And so I've, I've performed a lot. I just never had the confidence and or like resources to actually create my own music. Um, like music is it, creating music or good quality music definitely is not cheap. Mm. Um, and so I feel like I had to, I had to pay my dues. I had to, you know, take on these corporate jobs, save money do all of that stuff so that I could finally arrive at this place and, you know, have not, not only like the, the finances, but you know, the, the support, the support network that I needed to finally feel like maybe my voice was, was worthy of being recorded. Um, and again, like, I think that a part of that goes back to, you know, being a woman, being a, you know, woman of color, like there's, and I think also coming from a um, a family and a community that never really celebrated art, it, there was so much unlearning that I had to do in order to finally arrive and be like, okay, it's time. Um, and so that is that is why you have, there's not a lot of my work um, out in the world yet, but um, I, have, I have a whole bunch of stuff that I will be releasing um, as part of my EP. So stay tuned, you will definitely see more exciting exciting so like you also recently had your first solo show as an artist a fine artist and it was yeah. the modes how, like how did how did masks and molds go and what was that all about so or masks and molds was it was essentially exploring i want i would say it's exploring the duality of the lived experience of the south asian diaspora um in Canada and essentially like the concessions that we made to sort of fit in. And so the mask kind of like represented, you know, the different parts of, of myself that I had been covering up, you know, my whole life essentially to kind of fit into, to whatever the, the more predominant culture was at the time. Um, and molds kind of represented these little small spaces that we try to fit into um, as, as immigrants, as people of color. So, um, and it was, I mean, it, it went super well. It was, it was super exciting to, as an artist, be able to share, you know, my perspective, my story and experience um, that, that I had. And, you know, the, these really deep sentiments that I had been feeling for such a long time. And then, you know, be met with so much um, like resonance from other people, and not just in my community, just, you know, all, all different types of people were able to sort of relate to what I was creating. And to me, that's what I think art actually is. It's like the intentional creation of something, you know, visual or beautiful or whatever in order to um, create this like emotional experience in people. And that that truly showed up and and sort of happened through this exhibition and it was it was so exciting to have that yeah that's cool congratulations that's you thank know, you it is something to be proud of because not many people a have the courage to do that and b like would just do it and you know just have the vision to do it even if they did have the courage so it's definitely something to be proud of um thank you 
Also, I'd love to talk about your your uh, festival-inspired wedding. The picture, <laughs> dope. What like what was what was that about? So we were definitely not your traditional, you know, humans. I'm a, I like I said, I'm a I'm an artist and expressionist. My partner, um, he owns his own startup, so he's definitely creative and in his own in a different way. And so we when we decided that we were going to get married, we knew we weren't going to do something cookie cutter. Like that just wasn't for us. Um, and yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to create an experience that wasn't for us and was actually for our guests. So, you know, we've been, we've been to so many weddings in our lifetime. Um, people get married all the time. And the one, like there were so many things that we, we wanted to do differently. Um, but I think the biggest thing was we wanted to create an experience that was actually about other people. Um, and so we wanted to like gift the people that kind of helped us get to this place of being able to commit to each other with this, you know, this beautiful experience of joy and love and all the things. And so that was kind of the intention. It's like, how can we create something that will truly like make people feel happy, but also feel the love that we have, not, not just for each other, but for, for all of them. And so, yeah, I, and I had been to, I had been to Burning Man and I'd been to a bunch of different, you know, like festivals um, before. And so we had a lot of ideas already from some of the experiences that we had been a part of. Um, and yeah, we just kind of put together this thing and keeping our intention top of mind. Um, and yeah, this, this festival, we called it the Bali Q was born um and it was i mean it was so much fun and obviously i'm biased because it was it was my wedding but the the feedback that we got from other people you know the fact that we we got we were sort of like acknowledged locally and then internationally obviously was a testament to the fact that you know we i think we created something that was actually pretty cool um and so yeah it was beautiful and i think what the one thing that i really like outside of the intention for our guests to feel, you know, super loved and happy and, and included, I definitely wanted to create something that would inspire other people in our community to, to, to think about doing things differently. Um, and I, I think what was beautiful about what we created it, is that you still felt all the, you still felt and saw all the traditional elements of our, our communities and our culture but you also got to see something, you know, fun and innovative and unique at the same time. So there is a, there is a way to balance both. And I think that's important, especially for our generation as children of immigrants to feel like we are allowed to try to do some of these things differently. Cause a lot of the traditions that or a lot of the things that our parents did don't really relate to us because we were born in Canada. Right. Um, and so, and, and I think another like a beautiful thing was so many, women specifically reached out to me after and they were like I'm gonna do this for my wedding and I want to do that and I'm like yeah that's amazing so um it, it it felt really great to to also have been able to inspire um other women in our community to do the same thing right right do you this is something I struggle with sometimes I don't even know if it's a struggle or if it's just normal or just a good thing but do you ever find that like everything you do in life somehow becomes a, a project or a, certain things anyway yeah totally i i feel like 
I don't know, like I, I always feel like I'm an activist at heart. So I turn everything into this, like, like it, I turn everything into a platform for change. So that's my, that's my thing. Um, and so like even some, like not, not to say that the way I clean my room turns into that, but I, it does, it does often feel like there's, there's always, there, there's always something deeper than, than what's at the surface, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, but I think it's because we're creative. We can't just clean our room. We have to creatively clean our rooms. So um, that could be why. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. So do you, if you had like any piece of advice to some, like what would you give to people? Um, I think one thing that I, that I would definitely say is, um, and, you know, and I think Aaliyah said this first, but AJ, nothing but a number. So I'm 35 and I am now finally pursuing, you know, this career in music. And I don't really feel like I'm, like I'm late. I don't feel, I don't have regrets um, at all. And I think it's funny because when I was in my 20s and considering music, I was like, oh my God, I'm too old. And now I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just in time. So I think if there's anything I'd want to, any advice I'd want to impart, it's that you are never too old to follow your dreams. And I think as long as you're alive and your spirit is alive, you're like, so are your dreams. And so you should definitely go out there and, and try to make them happen. Oh, man. I, I love that so much because I, I have this habit too. Like, um, I remember when I was in my 20s thinking when I hit 30, I'm going to be washed. And then I had this this feeling of like hitting 40, then I'm going to be washed. And um, I'm 39 now. And every now and then I still catch myself being in this like, I'm too old to be doing this shit. And then I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you you're still alive. You still have things to say. So keep saying them. And I think that message is so important because like one of the things I, I, when I started this podcast, I find, and there's no shots against young people, but I find that a lot of times in creative circles, particularly there's a lot of worship of youth and mm-hmm. um, it, it, it does shape the way you think. Like I follow, I see people on Twitter or whatever. And it's like, um, a lot of disrespect to people as soon as they hit a certain age, it's like all of a sudden they're not, their, their value just decreases. And I don't know, like I really wanted this podcast to be about not only celebrate, I think young people are great. I want to celebrate young creatives, but I also want to celebrate creatives at all different age groups, because I think that there are a lot of people who have their whole lives said, I can't do this. But you know what? Yes, you can. Like, and you're not too old. You can start today. You can, you know, it's it's um, it's an important message to share. So thank you for for reiterating that. Actually, yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, you've got the EP dropping. Any dates for it, or is it kind of up in the air until? Yeah. So it's definitely a little bit up in the air. Um, it's funny. the The first single was actually supposed to drop. I think it was like eight weeks ago and I I had already uploaded it into, um, you know, into like the the distribution platform was ready to go. And then Trudeau made this announcement and he was like, Oh, we're closing down the borders. And I was like, wait, what? 
okay, there's, there's like a real thing happening in the world right now. I can't be, you know, releasing new music and it had felt wrong to sort of put something out into the world while we were having this, you know, crazy collective experience. And so I waited, I waited like six weeks from that date, which is why I ended up releasing last week instead. Um, so basically the plan that I, you know, was kind of following has definitely, um, kind of gone up in the air many times since. And so um, I don't have a date yet for the EP. A part of that is um, I have a, like a track or two that, that I didn't get to finish and, you know, studios are obviously closed right now. And um, so a lot of it kind of depends on when sort of the city starts to open back up and when I can actually get in the studio with my producers and, sort of finish things off. So I have, I am releasing another single. Um, that's going to come out um, in June. Um, and then after that, I want to release one more single. Still not sure in terms of timeline for that, but it'd probably be a month out after that. Um, and then the EP is, is very much dependent on when I can get back in the studio. Mm-hmm. But it'll, it's definitely going to happen this year. So I can say that. Right. Yeah, I feel that uh, I had all these plans to release products and everything right when this thing dropped. And I was like, oh, man, like it, it felt distasteful to yeah. hey, come buy some things from me. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely toned up. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Rona, man. She's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Part of me is enjoying it and part of me is like, this thing needs to end for like stuff like this. Like I, I, I I'm actually loving it too. I am definitely more of an introvert. So I'm like, I will stay home all day, every day. But now recently as the weather has started to get a little bit better in Toronto, um, I'm like, I kind of just want to go to the park. I kind of just want to, you know, I, so I, I am starting to feel a little bit more antsy, but when it was cold, I didn't care at all. I was like, I'll, I'm always home anyway, so I'm cool. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, but I think, and I think it's going to get harder for most people. I think, I I don't know if it's like this for you, but I feel like the second the sun comes out, there's like this new energy in the world and everybody just wants to, you know, be out and be social and on patios and all the things. And so I think it's going to be really challenging for cities to keep people inside. It just, it's not going to be possible. Yeah, we um we lightened up. I'm in Halifax, and they lightened up some of the restrictions. I think on Friday and on Sunday yeah. it was really sunny, and apparently people were out all over the place. So yeah, yeah, we had something similar. Sunday was like it was like our first day of you know what felt like could be summer, and everybody was out in the parks. Not in the parks because I think they've actually yeah people were in some parks. I don't know how because. I know that they've been sort of like blocking a lot of them off, but um, yeah, I mean, once we have consistently nice weather, it is, it's going to be really challenging um, to keep people in their house. One thing that I did see, which I thought was pretty, pretty amazing and very Canadian is people are still wearing masks. People are, so, I mean, we're outside and we're enjoying the sun, but we're, I think we're still respecting the fact that, (laughs) you know, this is a real thing. Um, whereas I've seen some pictures from New York and that that's definitely not happening. Um, so I I take pride in the fact that Canadians still are very much down to follow the rules. Um, but you know, they, they still want to be able to go outside and play. 
Yeah, that sun is hard to resist. Yeah. 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 So how do we uh, find you online? Um, you can you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Romana R O M A N A Kasim K A S S A M. Cool. That's it. Thank you for doing our pays me. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Hey, before you go, here's a little snippet from Romana's single, Holding Space. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook.